next Wednesday. You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland at 91.1 FM, K296FT West Haven serving Portland at 107.1 FM, and K219KU Nehalem serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Late to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Ron Buchanan. We are back from our summer Support vacation. X-Ray. And we have got a whole lot to talk about here today as obviously it is a new era in Rip City. We were last on these airwaves in, back in July and uh, things have, have changed quite a bit since then. And uh, So it's, it's a new era. It's a new era in Rip City. Damian Lillard, if you've been living under a rock, has been traded. Um, and uh, the Blazers now move forward with the Scoot Henderson era officially. Uh, a couple of trades that went down. Damian Lillard traded to the Milwaukee Bucks in a three-way deal uh, with the Phoenix Suns. Blazers getting DeAndre Ayton, uh, Robert Williams, uh, excuse me, DeAndre Ayton and Drew Holiday, as well as some picks. And then in a, a successive deal, uh, flipped Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics for Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon and a couple more picks. So the Blazers now uh, have a lot of draft capital going forward. Uh, a lot of it is uh, backloaded back in the late 20s um, in terms of year, that is. Uh, it started, you know, 29, 2030, uh, where you get uh, either a Bucks first-round pick or a chance to uh, flip with the Bucks in those drafts. Um, and, of course, that could come into play here because the Bucks are in their title window right now. And, you know, if you look six, seven, eight years down the road, they might be in a rebuild themselves. So the Blazers, uh, when it's all said and done, end up with the uh, a 20, 29 unprotected first-round pick from the Bucks and the right to swap picks in 2028 and 2030. So if the Bucks get a better pick than the Blazers do in either of those years, the Blazers will take over the Bucks pick. So for all intents and purposes – you get the Bucks first round pick unless they stay really good in 2028 and 2030 you get it for three years so that's pretty good I mean that's you look at that you look at the fact that you upgraded your center position and you got to be feeling pretty good at least uh if you're a Blazer fan with with how we've got uh the roster set up on paper now the thing is championships are not won on paper 
And that's the big uh, that's the big takeaway, I think, is that for me at least, is that yes, there's a lot of excitement about Rip City right now. You're in a new era. You got Scoot Henderson. You got Shaden Sharp. You got this this young backcourt. Um, and you you know you've got some centers now. You're bringing in DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams. So you finally got some depth at center for the first time in what feels like forever. Um, you know, especially the last couple of years, what uh, what we've gone through, what the Blazer fans have gone through with uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic and in and out of the lineup, and then you didn't really have a, a backup center uh, for the last couple of years. You know, Drew Eubanks was was forced into action, um, and he's now, of course, in Phoenix. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all works going forward. And we are now joined by Sam Arnold via Zoom. Sam, can you hear me? My good friend and co-host. Sam, I want to hear your thoughts on the trade. What are those things? are going to be fun to watch but yeah this this Blazers roster now as it makes up um, what it's shaping up to look like from the fallout of, of all these deals um, you know obviously bringing in Aiton that's a huge piece that I feel like a lot of people in Portland have been wanting for a while um, a name that's been floated around for a long time um, Robert Williams a guy I'm I'm incredibly excited about on this roster um, just the, the flexibility he gives you defensively, you can slot him in at the four next to eight, and you can slot him in at the backup five. There's a lot that you can do with him. Um, and also, Malcolm Brogdon is kind of a guy I'm excited about just to have really nice, consistent veteran leadership on this team. Um, it's expensive veteran leadership. Yeah, expensive veteran leadership, for sure. But, I mean, he's a guy that we can trade, I think, pretty much whenever we want. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on this team. Um come the trade deadline, but I think starting out the year with a guy like him to, to kind of point Scoot Henderson in the right direction to, to maybe help out with some of these younger guys, because Malcolm Brogdon's a, a great, consistent player. Um, great shooter, obviously. Great playmaker. Good defender. Uh, he he kind of just does it all. So to have a guy like that on the team, coaching these young guys, uh, ideally that's what you hope he's doing at least, um, I think could make a big difference in the early stages for this team. Yeah. yeah um, and... and- you know, Sam, you know, it, Sam it's, it's funny, it's funny. And, uh, and, uh, for the folks for the texting folks in, in uh, uh, you know, we've you know, had we've some had technical, technical difficulties, difficulties here, here in the start, the start as we're, we're getting getting used to the new year, um, but I, I believe we've got it all under control now as uh, we apologize for the uh, for the technical difficulties. They've got to shake out the cobwebs. I don't think they could hear the first part of what you said, but I think they heard the, the latter part now. Um, and, yeah, I just... I would like to be excited about this team, but my big takeaway, Sam, is that while you've got a nice young roster, um, 
and you've got what seems to be a direction now, you still have the same ownership, management, coaching uh, from the last couple of years when you've been able to do nothing. I mean, this team hasn't been anywhere close to contention for five five years years now, and you've still got... Yeah, the same coach, and I, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I think that the book is out on, on Chauncey Billups that he is certainly not a good coach. I think we can all agree on that. We'll see what he can do with another young roster, but hasn't worked out thus far. You've got an owner who is not supposed to own the team. <laughs> that whole situation. You know, Joe Cronin, uh, what's your take on him? Because I I feel like it's changed, and I feel like now he is, the, he is viewed as the kind of the savior of Rip City, but... I don't know. I'm not ready. If, I'm not sure if I'm ready to buy into all that just yet. Yeah, I mean, Joe. Uh, obviously, it's it's been well documented. Um, my my criticism of Joe Cronin, all of our criticism of Joe Cronin. Um, he's not been a guy that anybody I think in Portland has been particularly excited about up until this off season, and then it's it's been kind of a a mass switchover to. Oh, Joe just saved everything. He did a great job. And Joe's credit, I mean, the way he he manipulated these trades and navigated through all this was was really impressive. Um, because I I think myself, along with a lot of other people, was expecting just, oh, we're gonna get stuck with those young guys from the Heat. We're gonna get with Tyler Hero. We're gonna get stuck with Jovic. Maybe get Jaime Jaquez and a draft pick. And I'm not excited about that package. This package, I'm excited about. So if you're getting rid of a franchise caliber guy like Damian Lillard, who's a a top ten NBA player, uh, best Blazer in history. Um, you got to get a really good return, and the fact that we were able to get DeAndre Ayton as part of that package, so the fact that we're able to get Robert Williams as part of that package, um, in that great Drew Holiday flip. I mean, the fact you get basically the the second most valued point guard in the trade market after Damian Lillard for Damian Lillard. I mean, just gives us a lot of flexibility, a lot of draft capital. So I, I don't think that Joe can be knocked for anything regarding this trade, in my opinion. I think he navigated it about as good as you could possibly navigate this situation. And we've seen a lot of great superstar players go for a lot less than this. So he, he really got a nice return out of it. That being said, I mean the criticism is, well, why couldn't he, he build a team around Dame? Why couldn't we try this with Dame? You know? And I, I think that's incredibly justified, but I also think, you know, we we're seeing it like the trade market was not great up until we just said, okay, we're going to wait as long as we can. And then we got drew holiday. I mean, my was not willing to budge to give more for Damian Lillard. So I think bringing in those extra pieces is a lot harder than than people anticipated because these guys that we got, while I'm very excited about them and I'm very excited about the direction of this team in the next couple years, I don't think you get those guys without trading Damian Lillard. So I don't know how you get anybody else on this team. And I I think, to Joe's credit, I, I think you have to give him a little bit of confidence in that he did try to make it work a little I just don't think it was out there and I don't think he was willing to to blow up the whole team and you know trade a guy like Jaden Sharp or trade a guy like Anthony Simons I don't think he was willing to do that um yeah and and you know maybe maybe he did make those offers and maybe the returns just weren't good enough and you know come draft night when when those calls aren't being made you, you have to take Scoot Henderson at three you just have to there's 
there's not another pick to make there. So I don't know. It's it's unfortunate. I I think I I stand with pretty much every Blazers fan on the planet where I would have loved to make this work with Dame more than just about anything, but it just didn't. And to to come out looking like this on the other side of that makes me feel pretty positive. Rain on this parade, but I got to rain on this parade a little bit because I think we're taking for granted the fact that you say, you know, Joe tried and failed to build around Damian Lillard. But I I guess my big question is, and we don't really know this, is did he actually try to build around Damian Lillard? Because that's that's kind of what I'm wondering, and that's that's kind of what leaves a sour taste in my mouth about this whole thing. Again, is I, I'd love to be excited about this good young team, but I guess I hate the way everything went down. And, and in my opinion, based off kind of how we've seen things shake out, what it seems to me happened was Joe Cronin decided that the Blazers' best course of action was to move on without, without Damian Lillard, build around young talent, and. But, however, he is smart enough to realize that you just can't trade Damian Lillard. You have to, you have to get Damian Lillard to request the trade. And so, to me, what Joe Cronin did, in my opinion, based off kind of how everything shook down, I feel like he kind of uh, quiet quit on Damian Lillard, said they're going to build around him, but really he wanted to go young all, all around, and he was probably ecstatic when Damian Lillard requested the trade. That's kind of how I feel about it. And so, so to me, and I know that's a lot of assumptions, but to me it just feels a little dirty how it went down. Uh, you know, I feel like you're doing your your all-time best franchise player dirty there when you're you're basically pushing him into a trade after repeatedly failing to build around him despite his steadfast loyalty to your team. I, I, I can't get behind that. What's out, uh a memoir or something, or we we get this insider report or something like that. I don't know. It, it's just to me, I I I want to believe that the franchise did everything they could for Dame. Um, I really do. But why, and, but why? What reason do you have to believe that based off past results? I mean, honestly, when they paid Jeremy this this off season, that made me think they were trying to do it again, and then almost immediately after that, Dame requested a trade. So I. The timeline to me doesn't make sense as an outsider. There's clearly more going on here than we're privy to, whether it's, hey, we want Jeremy to be the veteran on this team now. I don't know if they said that to Dame or because Dame wanted Jeremy back. There, by all reports, Dame, Dame wanted Jeremy, and he got paid, and he's still on the team. So I don't know. To me, that that says that the franchise was trying to do something. Um, I, I really just don't think there was a lot of options out there because – Again, like even these guys that we have on the roster right now, none of them are like franchise altering players. You know, you, you don't add DeAndre Ayton to a team and instantly become a finals favorite. So this team with DeAndre Ayton instead of Nurkic is that is that a finals favorite? I don't really think so. And I, I the price you had to pay to even get a guy like Ayton or a guy like Robert Williams is kind of astronomical right now. I mean, it's great that we got all those guys, but we had to get up, give up Damian Lillard for it. So I don't, I don't know how we get significant needle movers on this team without giving up significant players. And that probably means Shaden Sharp or Anthony Simons, which is probably the line that you're mentioning that Joe Cronin wasn't ready to cross. 
Because well, I don't know why you wouldn't want to give up Amphrey Simons. I mean, why would you if if you're looking at Shaden and uh, Shaden and Scoot as your backcourt of the future? You know, Simons is a few years older than those guys. Yeah, he's already 20, 24, 25. 24. He's an old he's head an old on this team. I mean, and and we just again we we don't know. I I, I was still very optimistic about the idea of an Anthony trade even honestly even after Dame left um, just because I I think he has a lot of value on this team and I would rather have a Shaden and Scoot backcourt but you know Anthony still makes sense on this team um, but yeah we'll, we'll see it's 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 very guard heavy again but it's very and I don't trust that Chauncey Billups is going to navigate these waters any better than he did the last few years here it's it's going to be a weird situation where you've got Anthony's got the seniority but clearly Scoot and Shaden are the future I feel like it's all set up that he's going to start all three you already know what's going to happen you're going to go small you're going to go with the three guards and you're probably going to go Jeremy Grant as your starting four even though he's really a three and then you'll go DeAndre Eaton as your five um, so if you're keeping track at home, then you've got like three guys playing a position and two guys playing up a spot, uh, which is kind of what the Blazers have been doing for the last handful of years, and it has not worked out at all. But again, with Chauncey Billups at the helm, I don't expect anything different to happen this year. You think he's going to make that tough call to bring Anthony Simons off the bench? No, not to start the year. Because um, the you reports think he I'm makes hearing in year, maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, think he's in him. Yeah, I mean, everything we're hearing from camp is, and you know, t- take that what you will. That's a that's a grain of salt for sure. But um, everything we're hearing is that Anthony and Jeremy are are kind of the the guys who are locked in as starters. Everybody else is kind of up in the air, and that includes guys like Scoot. So I don't know. It's it's a good thing to have with a young team where everybody's competing for spots. Um, and we don't know. Anthony might totally impress everybody. We've, we've seen how he looks when Dame's not on the floor, and he can play very well. So I, I don't think it's entirely fair to to say Anthony needs to be a bench player. I like it for the roster better, personally. I think the rotations make a lot more sense if you're bringing Anthony as a six-man. We've talked about that ad nauseum over the last year, um, how nice it would be having just a spark plug like that coming off your bench. But... Who knows? I, I I'm really not sure. Honestly, I would love to see Robert Williams start at the four, Jeremy slide at the three, and then probably scoot and shade in. But I don't think that's going to happen unless it it matches up. But I I think the encouraging thing for this is we have a lot more positional flexibility than we've had in a really really long time. Well, any <laughs> exactly? Yeah. So it's good to have some. And and again, I. I like the tra- I like that what you get your return of your trades. Um, you know, Joe Cronin's first couple trades when he took over, he was giving away guys for nothing. So it's nice to actually get something back now. Um, so that's nice to see. But I- I'm just curious how it's all going to work out when you've still got the same Coke, Sam. I guess you know you can only go as far as as your coaching, and I feel like you don't have a very... You've got a, a nice young nucleus, but you don't have a very good system set up for these guys. It feels kind of like a rudderless ship to me. It feels like there's young talent, but still the, the franchise is in all sorts of disarray, in my opinion, and I just don't know if these guys are going to be able to thrive in that kind of environment. 
Yeah, you know, I it it's going to be really who's in charge. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the big question right now, you know. Um I I think Chauncey as a coach, we we haven't seen him with a team this young that doesn't necessarily need to be competitive um, as far as standings or anything go this year. And we're, I don't think we're expecting a, a great year in the standings. I think this team could beat some some teams in, in kind of a sneaky manner. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, Chauncey definitely doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in me as a coach. But as you mentioned, kind of with with the ownership group, we're just stuck with him because we're not we're not going to yep. throw him out and, and still pay him. He's under contract still, so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, I I think that again, like it's it can't be overstated how much I think myself and and so many other people in Portland wanted this to work with Damian Lillard. But it did just kind of feel like it was done. It felt like a foregone conclusion to me. I don't think it was really possible to get Dame what he needed on this team. And if you swap out centers today, is that enough to make Dame say, oh, you did enough for me now? Yeah. We don't know. And, you know, that's that's the problem is I I feel like the way that this was handled kind of from every angle just forced this conclusion. Because if if Dame asks for a trade before Jeremy Grant signs a contract, that gives us a lot more flexibility. He waited till after we he signed that contract. Why did he do that? We don't know. There's there's a lot of questions here. There's a lot that we idea. just yeah. Let's hear it. I'm I'm curious. Uh, I think he hates Joe Cronin. He was doing anything he could <laughs> at that point to spite him. That's fair. That's fair. It was a messy ending for sure. And, and yeah, that's kind of my whole point, Sam, is that I would love to be excited about this team, but I'm just looking at this system that's in place and it just doesn't seem like it's going to breed success. It hasn't breathed success for the last handful of years. And I just don't buy the argument that it was impossible to Dame, uh, build around Damian Lillard. It became impossible, but the Blazers backed themselves into a quarter by years and years of poor trades or just mismanagement of the salary cap. Like it was a product of the actions of Neil O'Shea. And then yeah. later, Joe Cronin. Remember, Joe Cronin was a sign that re upped Yusuf Nurkic. And yeah. he became all but untradeable. Somebody asking on the X ray text line, how does that deal make sense for Phoenix? They're just looking to shed salary and get yeah. rid of DeAndre Ayton, who they didn't like anymore. That's all that was about. They've got, you know, they brought in Bradley Beal to go along with Devin Booker, and they're just looking to save a little money at that point. So they're willing to take it. They didn't want Yusuf Nurkic. They wanted to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. So they took on Yusuf Nurkic because he's making a lot less money. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's the that's the company line is that it it was impossible to build around Damian Lillard, but I'm just not willing to give him a pass like that. I think it was only impossible because of a a bunch of poor decisions that led up to that point. Yeah, but I I think to to play devil's advocate on that, I think you can make the argument that shouldn't Dame be a guy who's signing off on those decisions? Or are we just believing that Dame didn't have any input on any of that? Yeah, because no, I don't I know if I really point. buy that. Yeah, right? that's because I think point. I think this franchise shot itself in the foot that year where we made all those terrible trades, getting rid of C.J. McCollum, getting rid of Norm Powell, getting rid of Robert Covington for nothing. And that was I Joe mean, Cronin. We, yeah, it was Joe Cronin, and that's what made me hate him at first. Um, 
And I, I still say those are some of the worst trades I've ever seen in my life. Um, and of course they didn't pay out for us at all. I mean, none, it was all worthless. We got rid of three guys who are, who are solid key pieces. Um, you could even throw in the Gary Trent trade into that too, or just throwing away another player for nothing. But I, I have a hard time believing that Joe Cronin made all those decisions without any input from Damian Lillard. I think we would have heard a lot more frustrations if, if Dame said, Hey, you guys just traded CJ for nothing. I didn't sign off on that. So I, I, I don't, I don't really buy that. Uh, yeah. This was just this year that did it, you know? I, I think it's just we've shot ourselves in, in the foot so many times with bad trades, and they were very bad trades. Um, It just it felt like we didn't have any more options. And, yeah, would, would I have loved to call up Phoenix at the end of the offseason and say, hey, you want to swap Nurk for Aiden and see if maybe that helps Dame stay? Of course. Yeah, of course. I, w- I would have been thrilled with that, but... I, I don't think that deal really works without all those extra pieces. And yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I I wanna believe so badly that they did their due diligence. Um I, I don't really trust this this front off group. So mm-hmm. I I think you're you're probably fairly right in that they were ready to pivot to a youth movement. I don't think that they were necessarily trying to force Damian Lillard into declaring for a trade um cuz it kind of seemed like Dame was fed up anyway you know i i i think this has been the last 2 years moving towards this and i think in my opinion last year not this previous nba season but the one before when we traded cj um to me that that spelled the destruction of this franchise more than just about anything did no question. I, I think for me what it comes down to is it's a he said, she said yeah. versus one guy I don't trust versus another guy I do trust. Of yeah, that's, that and Damian. that's fair. If you're giving me Joe Cronin's word versus Damian Lillard, I'm going to go with Dame every time. That's fair, but what what I'm thinking and, and the way I'm I'm trying to compartmentalize this whole trade um, because it is it is a, a shocking culture shift for, for the Portland Trailblazers. Um what I'm thinking is what can you realistically get Damian Lillard this offseason? And that's a question for you too. What what do you think we could realistically have gotten Damian Lillard in this offseason? Yeah, I mean, obviously a ton of names are floated around and it's tough because we don't know what offers were made, what counter offers were made. I think if you're saying yes, if you're saying this year, yeah, it was probably past the point of no return. But I think if you go back years past or, you know, capitalizing on those trades for C.J. McCollum and Robert Covington, maybe we wouldn't be in this scenario. But, yes, by the time it got to this summer, everybody knew that you were desperate to make a deal and nobody was, uh, you know, stepping up to help you out. I think it was the finally the straw that broke the camel's back. I think that's what Damian Lillard realized. I think that's what Joe Cronin realized. I just wish that it would have been handled – a lot better and and it wouldn't it feels like it was a lot more messy than it needed to be on the way out yeah and and totally agree with that my my thought process here is if you're being a a strategic general manager here you're not just thinking about this offseason you're not even just thinking about next year you're thinking about the future of the franchise right so say you bring in 
a guy like DeAndre Aiden. So they were able to get that trade package without moving Damian Lillard. Does that team win a championship this year in the Western Conference? Probably not. The same team as last year, plus... Plus uh, DeAndre Aiden instead of Nurk. No. No, no. So then what happens next offseason? Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're kicking the can down the road till Damian Lillard's 37 years old <laughs> and ready to right. retire. And then what do we do as a franchise? We don't have anything left. So you, you have to pick a moment to pivot. And to me, this moment made sense to pivot because this is a very good young core that we have now. This, this could be a, a very competitive team in a few years. And I feel like what we the the way we went about it is is more strategic than it is personal. Yeah, but it became personal. And and the problem is, it's a guy that was nothing but classy for eleven years, and it just feels dirty to me how at the end it was just kind of don't let the door hit you on the way out. I know Damien requested a trade, but it felt like. Yeah, I, I just didn't like how personal it got at the end. And, and here's my thing, Sam. This is what I keep coming back to. You mentioned that the Blazers have just kept kicking the can down the road, how many poor decisions they made over the years. What makes you think it's going to be any different now with this young core that they're not just going to screw it up again? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's very valid. They, they could definitely do that. Um, to me, what makes me optimistic is – that is not a every year decision now. We're in a position where we can be bad for next year and the year after that if we want to. And I don't think anybody's going to be that mad because we collected a lot of good draft capital. Um, there's there's a lot of encouraging players and in, in upcoming drafts coming up. I, I don't think that there's pressure to win now like there has been. So I don't think, you know, I I, I don't think Cronin's like saying, Oh, Shaden Sharp had a bad year. I need I need somebody who's going to help me win now. You know, I, that's not going to happen because you have a good young core now. Now, those guys might not pay out, and, and it might not line up. I mean, Scoot Henderson, probably not, but he could be a bust. Um, we, we don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put anything into existence, right. but um, I, I feel like the lack of pressure to win immediately is what's going to change kind of the direction – of the franchise, at least in terms of questionable moves. Um, because really since, man, I mean, I mean, since probably the Western conference finals, there's been pressure on the Blazers to be at least that good every year. And I mean, you would want to be that good if you got there, of course you would. And it just was not happening because coming out of that, we, we got back a Yusuf Nurkic, who was a shell of himself and still is. I mean, and it's it's sad because when you think back on those Bosnian beast days of Yusuf Nurkic before that gruesome leg injury, he was a great center for this team. He really was. He was he was dominant. He, he played hard. He was a great pick-and-roll partner for Damian Lillard. And coming out of that, he just lost all of his energy and seemed to lose a lot of motivation. And when you're sticking with that guy and – sticking with the two-guard lineup that worked for you one year but isn't really going to work, to me, they needed to figure that out like three, four years ago. This Again, it's it's been kicking down the can down the road for the past handful of years. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's sad. I obviously, hate to see Dame go. Um, 
honestly love to see him go to the Bucks. I'm very happy for him. Um, Good for him to be on the Bucks. That's a that's going to be a really fun team to watch. Um, I'm definitely going to be rooting for that team, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you have a good young core now. You don't need to make any drastic moves for at least the next couple of years. I would be a lot more optimistic if we got a complete franchise-wide rebuild, not just on court, but off court too. I think that's what I keep coming back to is this is the perfect time to just blow it all up. But you can't because Jody Allen is hanging on to this team for all she's worth. And as long as she's in charge, it's going to be business as usual. And so what yeah. What worries me is that three years from now, Shaden Sharp, four years from now, Scoot Henderson, are they even going to want to stick around? That's And and if those guys, you lose, like you got lucky with a guy who really wanted to be here in Damian Lillard. We don't know that about Scoot Henderson. We don't know that about Shaden Sharp. So it, the grass always looks greener on the other side, but it isn't always. And so I you know, what's going to happen if these guys leave and then you're right back where you started from again. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very valid point, but I, I think you could literally ask that question about any player in, in the NBA and any franchise in the NBA. You could, you could pose that question because I mean, this is the first year that we've heard a guy like Giannis suggest that, Oh, maybe, maybe if they put something together to get me back to the finals, I'm going to move on. Damian Lillard did ask for a trade. (laughs) Like this is, this is, we, we got to address that too. Like Damian Lillard, of course, was more loyal to this franchise than anybody could have ever asked for. But at the end of the day, he still did ask out in the prime of his career. So I don't think you can, you can put that comment past anybody. I mean, any NBA player in today's modern NBA can leave whenever they want. And I, to, to, to right. think about that four years in advance, I mean, cause you could, you could put that, that target on anybody you can say well jimmy butler's not going to want to be on the heat next year so let's just blow it up you know it's you could you could say that about anybody and now there's also a report we could talk about this briefly that after that trip several months after that trade request i believe early september uh from the chris haynes report that when it became clear that miami wasn't going to work allegedly damian lillard went to joe cronin and tried to rescind the trade and Joe said no. And I, I mean, I understand it, but if you're looking like Damien, ah, I don't, I guess it's just a messy situation all around. And I get, I just keep going. Really, really good player who wanted to be here. And for years, you, you failed to build around him. And so that's just what frustrates me so much. And now you're trying to start over. Uh, we never even really got to see the best version of a, a good team around Damian Lillard. And that's what the frustrating part is, is that you basically wasted a decade of your best franchise player in history. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with that. And if that report is true, then that's, that's incredibly depressing. Um, but yeah, again, it, it comes back to how do we even build a team around Damian Lillard? Because every move that was attempted either backfired or didn't turn into anything. So I, I don't poor management though. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree, but you know, Portland is not a good, a place where we can get in a, a top level GM and, you know, Joe Cronin by all, or by my opinion was always supposed to be like the interim guy and until he, he landed the job. But you know, I, this is just, we're in a tough position in Portland where we're not a destination location. Nobody's saying 
I want to be traded to Portland, like they're saying I want to be traded to Miami or LA or, you know, any of these big market places, we're we're not a free agent destination. So how do you get those guys in? I mean, you you build up draft capital, you build up young players, you uh you find ways to swap bad salaries. Um and you know, if if Joe Cronin was the best GM in the history of the world, then maybe we would have found a way to do that. But I think that's a huge ask to to build a a NBA finals level team when we didn't really have a lot to do. And again, I think that comes back to the CJ McCollum thing because that's the point where we had the most to do and we, we didn't do out. anything. We got nothing. And that that's what stings is that's that should have been the pivot point to let's do everything we can to build a team around Damian Lillard. And they, they put one toe in the water and then wiped it off and said, no, that's not for us right now. Because we should have got rid of Nurkic at that point too. We should have got a, a decent return for CJ McCollum. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, you know, luckily that ended up kind of working out for us in this scenario, but still a bad decision by all accounts. I, I was not a fan of that resigning at all. It's it's it was too much money. It was it was not it a guy that we want to have. It looks a lot worse now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But again, like I, I just don't think that Cronin is obviously not that guy to get it done, right? And I don't know how you get a guy in Portland to get it done to build a team around Damian Lillard. And when when you give away all of your promising pieces for nothing, then I, I, I mean, what what can you really do at that point? But that Just, was Joe Cronin. He was yeah, the one that did it. And I agree. I agree. I totally agree. I I was more critical on Joe Cronin than just about anybody during that time. And I still, earlier in the show, said I think that's one of the yeah. worst trades I've ever seen in my life. And I I stand by that a hundred percent. I think that version of Joe Cronin destroyed this team. But. What Joe Cronin did with this trade, I think, was very impressive. I don't think there's any denying that what he did with this trade was impressive. He brought in a lot of really, really good players who kind of fit within the timeline of this team, as well as a bunch of draft capital for a guy that 99% of the media landscape thought was going for Tyler Hero in a first-round pick. So to, to flip it that way, you got to give him credit for that. Now... Do I want Damian Lillard on this team still? Yeah. Do I want to build a championship roster around Damian Lillard? Yeah. Was that realistically going to happen? Probably not. Here's what I feel like this is. Joe Cronin started... Well, Neil Neil O'Shea started a fire. Yes. Joe Cronin didn't put it out. If anything, maybe made it a little bit worse. And then now he comes in two years later and puts it out, and he's the hero all of a sudden? Hmm. See, I will. I will never go as far as saying Joe Cronin's a hero. Um, well, apparently I, he was signing autographs at FanFest. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I think the yeah. Joe Cronin love has gotten a little out of hand here, just because he he didn't box this trade. Yeah, I mean that's that's a little a little extreme to me. I mean, yes, I I think you're you are right, and I I I want to preface everything I'm saying with Joe Cronin is the reason that we lost Damian Lillard. Joe Cronin is the reason this franchise crumbled. But I would actually say I would actually say Neil Olshay is the reason Joel Joe Cronin wasn't able to fix it. I can't yeah. put that solely on Joe because he inherited let's not forget that he inherited a terrible situation. And again, you alluded to it. I think he was only ever supposed to be the interim guy. Yeah. 
and now he's making these franchise-altering moves when he wasn't even really supposed to be the guy. He was only there because Neil Olshay got fired. Yeah, and I guess with with Neil, I mean, clearly uh, this is well documented between you and I too. It's we we hated him just about more than anybody. I think to me, Neil was the worst thing that happened in the Damian Lillard era of Blazers, other than you know drafting him. Um, but as far as building a team around him, he did a terrible job. And then to me, when Joe Cronin took over, I was looking for somebody to try to do something. And to me, Joe Cronin made it worse. And for a while I was, I was thinking like, well, I mean, you kind of mentioned like Joe Cronin kind of put more fuel on the fire by giving away everything for nothing. Mm -hmm. So what Cronin did now at least makes it so we're not at like the level of the worst teams in the NBA for decades. I mean, look at how bad some some teams have been around the NBA for a long time. This roster could be decent in the near future. Um, could be. Could also not be. Sure. I mean, but you could say that about any roster, you know. You Fair. you could say that about the Bucks if Giannis goes down with a a career-ending ACL injury. So I I there's hypotheticals, of course. It it could be a good roster, it could not be a good roster. But it's a lot of really good young talent, and we know Shaden Sharp's a good player. We know Anthony Simons can be a good player. The consistency is an issue. We are hopeful that Scoot Henderson is going to be a very good player. Um, from all reports and, and from footage I've seen, he looks very good. Um, obviously, we'll see what that looks like when he's playing against actual NBA talent. I think DeAndre Ayton in a revitalized role is is very encouraging. And Robert Williams is a guy who's in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation almost every single year. So a lot of these guys aren't huge question marks, right? A lot of these guys, we know kind of what they can do, but they're all young still. So they can develop together even more and hopefully build it a really good chemistry because you see that with teams like Boston where you have a lot of young players come in, build this really good young culture, and they get good very quickly. Now, I'm not saying that we have a Jason Tatum on this team. I'm not saying we have a Jalen Brown on this team. But we could have something close, and we, we have a lot of flexibility. Yeah, but you got to have a good coach to make it happen. This is true. This is true. That's very true. I think he's got, what, two years left on his contract? No, well, counting down the days. So you just got to hope that it isn't completely blown up before that point, I guess, yeah. is what we're hoping for. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come it up. We're going to talk about these young guys. We're going to turn the page. We're going to talk about the young guys because the preseason kicks off tonight. That's up next here on Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero-emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery located in southeast portland for over 15 years new deal distillery makes craft vodka gin bourbon rye rum liqueurs and more new deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far for more information visit newdealdistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 southeast salmon street support for x-ray fm comes from spielman bagels and coffee opened by rick spielman and his son raf Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops 
on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. All right, back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. Ryan Buchanan, Sam Arnold. This is our Blazers season preview. By the way, next week we'll be doing our kind of condensed NBA preview. We normally like to go a deep dive team by team. It's not going to work out this year. I had jury duty last week. A couple weeks from now, I'm going to be in Sun River. So we're going to have to kind of condense it a little bit, Sam. So we'll just give our playoff picks next week so you can start diligently working at that. Uh, And that brings up a good point. Um, As someone asked in our x-ray text line, as the texts are pouring in, um, I I figured that would probably happen for a show like this when people got a lot of opinions about what's going on with a, a monumental shift in the franchise. But they're looking, saying... Is this a team that could be a six, seven seed? And I think if you're looking at it on paper, like you've got a lot of talent, but we don't really know anything about this team. And it's going to take a long time to gel, in my opinion, because you just got uh, Sam, the only player on this roster that was on this team before last season was Amphrey Simons. Well, technically, that's uh, technically there's two. Somebody was on the team before this season that's back on this season. <laughs> the great Moses Brown played nine games back in 19 uh, to 20. So outside of Moses and uh, Anthony Simons, who's now in year six, I believe, it's basically an entirely new team. I mean, you only have, I think, four guys that were on the roster for opening night last year. is Ant, Grant, and the two rookies from last year, Sharp and Walker. Everybody else is brand new. So you've got a... a brand new team and these things don't just come together overnight so while you're looking at the talent saying yeah that that's a team that should be able to c- compete at the bottom end of the western conference i'll believe it when i see it because a as we've talked about again you don't have a very good coach in place so i think it's going to be a little weird until this team finds its footing and it, it but you know certainly they've got talent and that's something that you can be excited about and this is normally when we would ask our three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. New Deal has been located in Southeast Portland since 2004. They make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. More information, as always, is available at NewDealDistillery.com. And Sam, really just one question for you today. And that is, let's break down this young, not really a question, but let's break down this young uh, young roster. <laughs> break it down. Let's look at yeah. the depth chart. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we're looking. So are we in agreement that it's going to be Scoot, Simons, and Shaden all starting? Um, Probably. If we had to guess. Probably. I, I think that. So the the big question mark, uh, at least coming out of training camp, was that that three, right? Starting at three. Um, yeah. Apparently, the the rumors were that Matisse Thibel had the edge on Shaden Sharp for that position, um, which could work out very well actually. If if Shaden Sharp comes off the bench, that could be good. So I I think eventually within probably honestly probably just by opening night and in, in the actual regular season, not talking about preseason. Who knows what they're going to do for that, but. For the regular season, it's yeah, it's probably going to be Scoot, Ant, Shaden. That's what I would guess. Just based off everything we've seen in the past, everything that we know about Chauncey Billups, I have no reason to believe that those wouldn't be your starting one, two, and three. 
Grant will be the four, and then presumably DeAndre Ayton would yeah. be the five. Now, we will get our first actual look tonight. Well, you can't watch it, but you can see what the starting lineup will be tonight against the mighty New Zealand Breakers uh, as the preseason officially kicks off tonight in Portland, 7 o'clock. Again, that game will not be televised, but the next three will, I believe. You've got Thursday, you're hosting Phoenix. Saturday, you're in Salt Lake. And then Monday, you're hosting, or you're in Phoenix. You're playing Phoenix twice in three games for some reason. Uh, so I guess just just so DeAndre Ayton can see his old friends back in, <laughs> back in Phoenix as much as possible. Uh, but so you're going to get a chance to see kind of maybe is maybe Chauncey will tinker with some lineups, but that's kind of how I presume that the starting lineup will look. Then if you look at the bench, Malcolm Brogdon, because he's going to be here at least at the start of the season, and you touched on this earlier, he could be traded at any time. I expect he will probably be moved at the deadline because I don't think you really have much of it. I mean, the, the reason he's here is to kind of help Scoot Henderson a lot, right, is you, you, to have a veteran backup. You could have a lot cheaper veteran backup, and you know teams are going to be desperate to go after a guy like Malcolm Brogdon at the deadline and would overpay probably more so than they would now. So I think it makes sense to hold on to Brogdon, but with the understanding that he's very likely to be moved at the deadline. Uh, which would make a lot of sense. But, you know, you get a few months with him, working with Scoot Henderson. He's a veteran. He's going to come off the bench. He's used to coming off the bench. He did that with Boston, although I don't know how much he liked it because clearly uh, that relationship deteriorated as well. You got a couple guys in, in Aiton and Brogdon who were not very happy at the end of their tenure with their respective teams. But so great backup point guard, uh, a guy who can who can score for you off the bench, but if you're looking outside of that, if you start Scoot Simons sharp, you're going to run into the same problem that you've been running in for years is that where's the offense going to come off your bench? And certainly Brogdon would make sense. But outside of that, you're looking at Tybal. He's not a scorer. You know, Jabari Walker, he can score, but he's not a guy you're looking to as an option. The Time Lord, you mentioned he's a, mostly a defensive guy. Chris Murray... I don't know if he'll be in the rotation at the start of the year. So what you've got is a, once again, a really top heavy starting lineup and then a, a bench that I think is really going to have trouble scoring. There's a lot of defense off that bench, the way it matches up with uh, a Williams and a Tybalt. But I just, I just wonder where the offense is going to come from outside of Malcolm Brogdon on your bench. And that's why it would make so much more sense to bring a guy like a Simons or a Sharp off of the bench and, and plug a guy like Matisse Teibel into the starting lineup. But again, I don't have any confidence that that's going to happen. Yeah, what do I you mean, make of the bench as it's assuming that those five guys that we talked about are your starters? Yeah, uh, assuming that. And again, I, I do think there is a real possibility that Thibel is the starting three and Shaden comes off the bench. I, I think there's there's a, a, a real possibility. I don't I think it's a likely that. possibility, but I, I do think there is a possibility because apparently... That they were saying that Bible kind of has the edge for the starting job right now. So we'll see what that actually means. It's training camp. We can't really trust that that much. But assuming that Scoot turns into the guard that we're all hoping he can be, um, we already kind of know what Shaden is. We know what Anthony is. Um, we know what Brogdon is. So in that four guard rotation, like you mentioned, you're only having one of those guys come off the bench, uh, potentially two if you start Thibel, but most likely one if, if we're going with this hypothetical right so mm -hmm. 
the big thing that this gives us now is rotational flexibility. So you could start those three guys, have Brogdon come off the bench, sub out one of those guys in the first, you know, four minutes or something. Let let Shaden cook for four minutes, then take him out, play him the last two minutes, let him start the second quarter. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. We really haven't had a a solid four guard rotation in a while. It's been like two with a, a mediocre backup point guard. And so I, I think that this actually could work out. Um, again, I, I'm with you. I, I like having one of those guys, either Ant or Shaden, come off the bench. I really hope Scoot starts from day one. Um, Jeremy's going to start. Uh, but, yeah, as, as far as the bench, to me, the the real questions are at three and four. Um, and, again, you have you have some flexibility there. Robert Williams is is going to be coming off the bench most likely unless we see some crazy drastic shift. Um, I imagine he's going to get most of his run at backup five, subbing for Aiton. I hope we get to see some lineups of Aiton and Robert Williams on the floor at the same time because I actually feel like that could work very well, having a a two-center lineup. Um, you could slide Jeremy Grant down to the three. You could slide Jeremy to the three because Robert Williams is is a mobile guy. Uh, he's six nine. He's not huge out there. Uh, he can move his feet well. That's why he's always in the defensive player of the year conversation because he can go out and defend the perimeter if he needs to. But um, I'm hoping to get a lot of Robert Williams. I hope he's not limited to like 18 minutes a game. I hope we got to stay healthy too. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. That's the big thing with him. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm hoping that Chris Murray gets some minutes. Uh, that's a guy I would love to, to see if develop because I don't really know who else you're subbing in at, at the three if if you're doing that guard rotation. If you're subbing out guards constantly and you're having Shaden move from three to two and then sit on the bench, you have to have somebody else sub for that three every once in a while. So I think that's probably going to be Chris Murray. I think uh, Shaden and Bible are going to split the majority of chunks at the three. Shaden probably slides to the two every once in a while. Um, when he's at the two, Thibault's on the bench. That's probably when Chris Murray's going to play. But I'm expecting maybe 10 minutes a night from Chris Murray, maybe less than that. Um, they get started. Yeah, But yeah. he's a guy who probably by the end of the year, you could see him playing some big minutes off the bench. And and I hope so because I, I feel like, you know, looking at how his brother has progressed, um, there's clearly a lot of potential there. They're they're very similar players. Um so I I would love to see him develop. Uh, you love a shooter at six eight who can play some decent defense. I I think we could have a a really nice player in him, and especially where we landed him in the draft. I know this is a guy that pretty much everybody in Portland was excited about getting. So I hope we get to see him get some run. Um, but yeah, that bench squad. I think the scoring comes from Brogdon, like you mentioned, and then just rotating starters because <laughs> uh, you you really don't have a scoring punch coming off the bench. Yeah, no, you don't, and that's and that's been the story, um, yeah. and that's been an issue. And what's so frustrating about that issue that we've had for years is that you could, if you just move personnel around, but it's been Chauncey Phillips's stubbornness to not do that that has really, really affected this team, in my opinion. So we'll see if he if he feels more comfortable doing that without a Damian Lillard in there. We'll we'll see. I I remain highly skeptical. But the bottom line is you've got a lot of talent on this roster, Sam. So there is there are reasons for optimism. I've got my reasons that that I'm kind of 
in a wait and see mode, but there's no denying that there's a lot of talent on this roster. So that's at least a good start, right? Yeah, I I think it's a great start. Um where do you see where do you see this team's potential this year? I have no idea. <laughs> I have literally no my guess would be bottom 5. But it's all going to depend on how quickly they develop. This is a brand new team. I think that it's it's so like it's so hard to tell because we have not seen this team at all. You're going to learn a lot more over the first couple of weeks in the season, really a couple months this season. And I, and I think there's a decent chance that they get off to a hot start, people lose their minds, and then they kind of revert back to the team that a lot of people expect, a bottom five team. But really, I, I don't think you should even worry about the standing so much this year. I think this year is all about development and developing your backboard. Don't worry. If you make the play-in, great but I don't think that should be playing or bust this year. I think it's just try to enjoy the young guys on the court, get them a chemistry and hope that Chauncey Billups doesn't screw it up. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm thinking of this team as like the thunder from a couple years ago where exactly. you look at their, you look at their roster and you say, Oh, this is bad. And then they start to overperform and you realize, Oh, I have a, an all-star and, and, Shea Gildas Alexander, and then you get a guy like Chet Holmgren, and all of a sudden the Thunder are kind of like a sneaky good team out west. So this roster to me kind of feels like that, where there's a lot of question marks. It it could just kind of stay where it is, and we could just be a bad team for the next year or two. But I think there's too much potential on this team. I think I think we're gonna get some good development, or like you were saying, that's that's the goal for this year. It's just development. Let's see some growth. All about development, and we'll get our first look at it tonight. Uh, well, I guess if you're going to the game, you can get your first look at it. If not, you can read about it on Blazers Edge uh, as the Blazers kick off the preseason tonight against the New Zealand Breakers. So we'll, basically, what the only thing I'm excited about from this is who's going to make the starting lineup because I want to see for that first preseason game who the starters are. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We will be back at it better than ever next week. We will be giving our playoff picks in our condensed NBA season preview so that's next tuesday right here on blazers egg radio stay tuned for more on x-ray fm